Hey there, this is Mike and you're listening to Feeling Twisty. I'm really glad you're here. I talked to a couple of people recently that told me about their particular desires, each one describing a big one, one really big desire that they have, and how they haven't seen anything happen yet and they were frustrated by that. They said, I imagine my wish fulfilled, but nothing has changed. I'm not seeing any improvement. My reply to both of them and to anyone when this topic comes up, is a quote from Neville. He says, what are you imagining now? And that's what I ask them. If you once imagined it, why are you not still imagining it? What are you imagining right now? The Bible says uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24, Christ is the power and wisdom of God. God is our awareness of being our imagination, as Neville calls it. He says, God is imagination, and Christ is God in action, God imagining. The power and wisdom of the animator of all things, you are all imagination, God. And when you knowingly imagine, you're using the power and wisdom of who you really are. That's you. The whole Bible was written about you by you and for you. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Don't you realize that you are the temple of God, that the Spirit of God makes His permanent home in you? 2 Corinthians 13.5 says, Test yourselves. Do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? So Jesus is an anglicized name for Joshua, which means Jehovah saves. Jehovah is an anglicized name for the Hebrew name of God, which means I am. So Jesus means I am, saves. God's name is I am. My awareness of being saves. My imagination saves. When I find I am lacking anything, if I have a desire for myself or a seeming other, I turn to God. My awareness of being my imagination, and I pray. I move an imagination into the state of that desire fulfilled. Prayer is movement. It's motion. It's made up of two Greek words, meaning motion toward, vicinity of, and to wish. So when you're praying, you're moving within. You're moving from the state of whatever this is that you're lacking into the state of having it, of being it. That's prayer, this motion within. So I turn within and I move into the feeling of my desire fulfilled. And by doing that and sustaining that feeling, I can truly say that Jesus saves, that my imagination saves. I've talked about trusting imagination, specifically trusting imagination, that topic of the last several episodes. For me, if I'm going to trust anyone, I need to build a relationship with them through experience. So I test my relationship. I do what Paul says. If I believe that Christ, the power and wisdom of God, is in me, then I test it. So start testing your imagination. I know if you do, you'll see the truth 
of who you are. In the 1967 lecture, Test Yourselves, Neville says, Jesus Christ is in me. Can I be that bold to actually claim that I am He? Am I not told in the 8th chapter of John, you will die in your sins except you believe that I am He? You think another is talking to you and telling you that you are going to die in your sins unless you believe that He, another than yourself, is He? Isn't so at all. The drama is unfolding in me. I am talking to myself. You, Neville, limited by your five senses, you will continue missing the mark in life and therefore dying in your sin. For sin is to miss the mark, unless you believe that I am He. If you now believe that I am He, the one the world worships as the Lord, and all things are possible to Him, well then, I would take it from here and test myself. Neville's saying here that until you believe that I am the God in the Bible is your own imagination, you will continue missing the mark, the fulfillment of your desire. You will have all these wishes and all these things you want in life and never reaching their fulfillment. You're missing the mark. He goes on to say, so all he said is, it is done. He said to this one, according to your faith, be it unto you. He's speaking to himself. To everyone it is so, it is done. And then results follow. They always wait. The evidence comes after the action. So it is up to me to perform the action. The action is, things are as I would like them to be and persuade myself that it is so. You hear how simple that is? That's the action. That's the movement in imagination. The assumption that things are now as I would like them to be. And I persuade myself that it's so. Now, for me, I don't write a bunch of affirmations to persuade myself and try to convince myself. No, I bring up that feeling, that feeling within me, that movement within me, that things are as I would like them to be. I assume that it's done. That's the action. That's the part of doing instead of just hearing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike, I know imagination that my imagination creates my reality. But my life sucks. Knowing what I want, I move in imagination by assuming my wish is fulfilled. I capture the feeling of its fulfillment, of already being the person I want to be. And if I sustain that feeling, the state that would have produced that feeling must be objectified. <laughs> I know I know from my own experiences that this is true. What I experience in my world is always a reflection of what I've imagined and what I am imagining. It can't be otherwise. I've experienced too much to doubt it now. I cannot blame any other for the shit that I dealt with in my life. And I can't really credit any outside power for the good things in my life. Because the Bible says that I, the Lord, am one. I kill and I make alive. And this I that's talking is my awareness of being. That's God. Imagination. As you test your imagination and start to notice this, you'll realize such freedom. Freedom that you never, beyond what you can imagine. I'm telling you, there's freedom in this, in remembering who you are. Now going back to the lecture, Neville says, 
You're going to go about your own wonderful world knowing that the whole vast world is yourself pushed out. And everything in this world is aiding the birth of what you are imagining. So the behavior of the world relative to you is determined by the concept you hold of yourself. So my concept of myself will determine your behavior relative to me. Therefore, it doesn't really matter what your individual personal life is. The whole vast world is simply aiding the birth of all of my imaginal acts. Whether it takes one or a hundred thousand to do it, they'll do it. I don't have to ask them for their permission, for they are simply animated by my own wonderful human imagination. This isn't about controlling others. You're not con uh, mind controlling or manipulating. This is always a first person present tense experience and the whole world will conform to what I am imagining. And it's the same for you. When I move an imagination into the state of my wish fulfilled, it's felt, it's experienced by me. And that's Christ. God imagining, God in action is Christ. And that Christ is in you. That Christ is you. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 6, Paul says, For the reality of the truth of Christ, that's the power and wisdom of God, is seen among you and strengthened through your experience of him. God is a God of experience, Neville always says. That's how we get to know who we are. We get to know God through experience. And that's how we make changes in our lives, through experience. I move an imagination into that feeling, into that state of my wish fulfilled, and I feel the reality of it. I experience it in imagination. I'll give you a couple of examples. I still have two sons who live at home. One has always helped me with yard work without much complaint. Some grumbles, but not much. <laughs> the other, the older brother, uh, fought me like crazy, complaining every step of the way to the point where I I really just gave up. I gave up asking him, trying to convince him to help with the yard work. I was imagining that he would always fight me on it. I imagined that he was selfish. And that's what I continued experiencing. Things changed when I changed. That part of me that held that image of him changed. I pruned my vine. If you remember in a couple of episodes ago, Sucker Pluckers, I, I used a, the pruning shears of revision as a reference where Neville says, our mind is, this, is the Garden of Eden and everyone is rooted in us, that I can't experience anything outside of me. The world is reflecting. They are rooted in me. So to change what I am seeing, I change the image within me. I prune my vine. And so that's what I did here. I took a moment and I imagined walking across the lawn and enjoying the beauty of it and feeling the pride of raising children that do their part around the house. It was just a feeling of satisfaction that I felt. It just took a few seconds in imagination. Within a week, that son who fought me on doing anything around the house helps me now without argument. Nothing would have worked without changing my concept of self. <laughs> Here's another one. Uh, I think it's funny. We had internet. We were having internet problems. We pay for the fastest speed available, uh, up to a, a gigabit per second, which is pretty fast. 
but we'd been getting about a tenth of that. Our internet was very sluggish, extremely sluggish to the point where things were just shutting down, where even opening my laptop would cause the televisions and other devices to stop working, have breaks in the internet connection. That's how slow it had gotten. So the technician came and left after a couple of hours without really resolving the problem. And it was after he left that I realized the entire thing actually went exactly as I had imagined. It was perfect. It played out perfectly. Before he had come, the day before, I had imagined that he'd tell me that he can't find anything wrong, which is what he said. And I imagined I took that conversation further in my imagination. I imagined insisting that he changed this wire and that connection, which I did and which he did. And I imagined him wrapping things up, saying that he'll have to get a work crew with one of the bucket trucks out to my neighborhood because he just can't find the cause of the problem. And that's how our little encounter ended with him telling me he has to call in a crew to check the lines outside. Now, some outside problem will be found. I know they'll find a problem. They'll blame it on the weather or the age of the lines. But I know the only cause, my own imagination. It can't be otherwise. It was my imagination that created the problem in the first place, and my own imagination that wrote the script for the little scene with the technician. He played it beautifully. Now, I'm not saying that's how I wanted it to play out. No, what I really wanted was to have the full speed, you know, have the internet back like we're paying for. But I was just dwelling in that little dialogue within me, imagining this whole conversation. Oh, he's going to say there's nothing wrong with it. Now, I'm going to insist that he change out this wire and that connection and do this and that. And then he'll probably say he still can't find it. And then I'll insist that they do more and check the lines outside. And that's exactly what happened. In my little moments of imagining, I wrote the whole thing out. And this technician played the part. He had no choice. He had absolutely no choice but to play the part that I wrote for him. It's noticing things like this that got me to start trusting imagination. By testing and noticing the results and paying attention to all the thoughts and feelings, like what I just described to you with the cable, that little inner dialogue. Paying attention to those inner conversations and thoughts and feelings throughout my day and seeing how they are reflected in my world. Neville says our only purpose, our divine purpose, is to know imagination. And imagination is God, and we are all imagination. Getting to know who I really am started with me testing and playing in imagination and paying attention without judgment, but noticing what I'm imagining and what I'm experiencing in the physical world. Seeing how my inner world and my outer world are the same. So when I talk to folks, who tell me how frustrated they are because they imagined something once and it never came about. I'm blunt with them. If you imagined your wish fulfilled and remained in that state of mind, would you and I be having this conversation? And the answer is no. You could not be using these moments we have together telling me how disappointed you are because nothing has changed in your life if you were truly living in the end. Even if the facts deny what you've imagined, if you really moved into that new state, 
and are occupying it, then you would not be bothered by the so-called facts. You would not be bothered by the asshole boss or the number in your checking account. I'm not saying be grateful uh, for the shitty things in your life because they're trying to teach you a lesson. I'm not going there. No, but if you've moved in imagination, if you really trust yourself, that imaginal act, you know you did it, then you would not be bothered by the so-called facts that are around you right now. But Mike, you don't understand how hard this is. I'm miserable. I'm sicker than I was. I have even less money now. I hate my job. I hate my life. I know. Let me tell you, I understand. I do. I've been there for longer than I would have liked. I've been there. It wasn't until I had my own come-to-Jesus moment, really uh, taking an honest look at myself, that things changed. I can't just imagine my wish fulfilled and then go about my days and nights full of worry and doubt and fear. God is not mocked. That's what the Bible says. What it's saying is, my imagination is not mocked. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. If I want something, and then I create an imaginal scene, implying that wish is fulfilled, and then I get up, go about my day, and then throughout the day, I'm just knee-deep in worry and doubt and arguing with people and reacting to things as if I'm still in that state of lack, then I'm unstable. I'm not going to realize the fulfillment of my dreams. God is not mocked. My awareness of being, imagination, is not mocked. You can't do one thing one moment and then trample on that throughout the day with fear and doubt and worry. You can't do both at the same time. You can't be living in the end of your wish fulfilled and worrying about its fulfillment. If my thoughts and feelings are in turmoil, then that's what I'm going to continue experiencing. I will continue being frustrated because I do not truly believe that imagining creates reality. It wasn't until I really had to be, I was really honest with myself, had to face it, that I wasn't doing it. I wasn't sustaining that feeling. Even when I was trying to convince myself I was, no, I'm doing it right, I'm doing it right. And then that day, it was like, no, you're not, Mike. Look what you're doing. Ask yourself, what am I imagining right now? What am I thinking and feeling right now? Does this line up with what I've imagined? With the fulfillment of my wish? No. Obviously it doesn't. <laughs> if it's making me feel like shit and worry and my stomach's all tied up in knots, and then no, I'm not living in the end. I don't trust myself. Now I repeatedly tell you that there is no power in a technique. And there isn't. But sometimes trying different things, different techniques may help you move things along. I used to get very frustrated. I would hear teachers that teach Neville, and they would give specifics on their ideas, their ideas for techniques, things to try. And I would get jealous. I would read comments from people in the Facebook groups talking about how wonderful it was. This technique was how it saved them. This technique was great. Oh, I did this. And I would get so pissed off because it wasn't working for me. I just couldn't get it. Because I was focusing on that person. I was lifting that person up on a pedestal. 
thinking they were better than me. But there is no other. So I was only experiencing what I was imagining. I was imagining that this technique or these techniques are something special and I'm not going to get it right. But what, damn it, why are these other people getting it right? So don't worry about that. Don't do what I did. Forget about worrying about comparing yourself to others, trying to be better than someone else. What's the point of that when you know who you really are, right? There is no competition. There is no desperation to get more likes on your posts, to get some type of recognition from someone. Who's recognizing you? Your own self. But back to techniques. Try something different. If you're trying a suggested technique, something Neville that you read Neville talking about or some other teacher, and it, you're just not clicking with you, try something else. I was in radio for years. All I did throughout the day was listen to voices. I had my headphones on and I was conducting interviews, talking with my co-hosts, all audio. So hearing something in imagination comes quickly for me. In fact, when I think of someone close to me, it's their voice that comes up first, before their face. So hearing comes easily. So I take advantage of that when I'm imagining my wish fulfilled. I hear a particular person congratulating me or telling me how well they're doing. It works for anything. And test yourselves. Neville shares a story from a woman who uses a similar technique. It's her phone method. And it's really so simple. You should check out that, uh, that lecture. It's a great lecture. Test yourselves. And try out her phone method. Like I said, techniques, they're wonderful. But that's not where the power is. But try them out. Try different techniques out. You'll find some that are more comfortable for you. Like this, the hearing for me. Very comfortable for me, but I don't stop there. So do the things that are comfortable for you so you can get comfortable with yourself, with imagination. Make it easy for yourself, getting to know who you really are. And then try different things. Do the things that aren't so comfortable. Expand your borders. Keep pushing out, expanding. Get past your comfort zones. Most of the time now, when I have a desire, I just thank the Father within me my true self, for its fulfillment. I assume that I have it now, which I do. I always did. I just wasn't aware of it. I don't have to create a thing. Creation is finished. I simply accept the wonderful gift I've been given. And that is for any and every desire that I have. And that is the same for you. It's already here. You're just not looking at it. You're just not aware of it. Everything you could possibly want it's already here. So you don't have to create it. You just have to accept it. Accept the gift from God, your true self. Why don't you try the hearing uh, the voice method? I don't know, I have a name for it, but try hearing the voice of someone you love congratulating you for your success. If my voice is familiar to you now, imagine hearing me say your name on an episode, sharing your success story on here. I want you to get to the point of knowing with no doubt who you are, not your race or your country or your religion, your political party. None of that matters, not one bit. Your sexual orientation, that doesn't matter. When you're all love, because that's what God is, God is love. And anyone born of love is born of God. When you know who you are, these little masks that we wear don't mean a thing as far as better than or worse than. 
It's all you. Isn't that beautiful? So continue playing in imagination. By continually, actively moving in imagination, you cannot help but get to know yourself. Do it for the sake of just doing it for fun, not just to get the big things. Play, have fun with this throughout your day and throughout your night. You remember as a kid, you always were imagining up some wonderful things and for me, some scary things at night. You know, the sock on my uh, bed rail became this hideous little demon taunting me at night. <laughs> but our imagination was running wild as children. Let it run wild now. Be like yourself as a kid. Have fun. Imagine having just watched a hilarious movie. Imagine having just heard a story so funny it made you cry and your jaw hurts from laughing so much. Missing someone? A loved one? A pet? Maybe you lost your pet recently. A family member recently or a long time ago. Imagine holding them in your arms, seeing them radiant and happy. Feel that love for them. There's a friend of mine that mentioned that, the loss of her pet and how sad she is and she feels like she has this hole in her heart. I understand that. It's okay to grieve. It's okay to feel the sadness, the pain of loss. That's part of this human experience. So don't try to quash those feelings. Let them come up. Feel that loss. Experience the pain and cry. It's okay. But nothing really dies. There is no death. I know this. I've had coffee with people, relatives, loved ones that have left this span of time, my little span that I'm in right now. They've been gone. And I've been in their world, having coffee with them, having dinner with them, talking with them. I've experienced them. I know they're not dead. And as I was thinking about uh, my friend that asked me that, about her loss, I was thinking about my dog, Miska, my Siberian Husky, who was born on my birthday back in 1992. She lived uh, for 15 years. Sweet dog. I was thinking about my friend that asked me about this, and I was thinking about how I had to put down Miska. Instead of remembering that sad day, I didn't go back there. I remembered it, but it didn't sink into that feeling, that loss, that sadness again. No, instead, as I'm thinking about this, how uh, I'm going to answer my friend's question on which episode I'm going to talk about it. I was plunged, I just fell through time, back to early 90s, and I'm with my puppy again and feeling the thrill of having her howling at me and her beautiful blue eyes, sky blue eyes, and that Lone Ranger mask around her eyes. I could feel her fur under my fingers as I petted her and watched her run back and forth. We used to hook uh, a harness on her and a furniture dolly behind her. The other end of the harness was strapped to a furniture dolly. And my little nieces and nephews would sit in it and she would run them all across the yard. So while I was thinking about answering my friend's question, I just plunged into this memory and relived the fun of having Miska, Miska being around and the thrill of watching her play with my nieces and nephews. And I loved that experience. So when I think of a lo loved one that's gone, whether it's a, a, a relative or a pet, I don't think about the sadness anymore. I remember it, still miss them. But what fills me up is love, 
that love that I experienced for them and from them. My brother insists that dogs have no soul, but he and I haven't talked about it, but uh, he told my son that. And my son asked me, and I, of course, told my son that, well, consciousness is the only reality. So I'm not sure what my brother defines as soul, but I can tell you that my dog is nothing but love because that's what I feel for it. And I can't experience anything that I'm not feeling in imagination, what I'm not experiencing within me. It's funny, our newest dog, she's six years old now, Penny, a little Australian shepherd, blue healer mix, was also born on my birthday. And she has so many of the same traits that Miska did. She behaves so much like Miska. Anyway, my friend who lost her dog, you are all imagination. So why not focus on the love that you had for that animal and the love you felt from that animal? or that loved one, that family member, because they're not dead. Nothing dies. As you continue to have fun with this, playing in imagination, I know you'll see how simple this is. But Mike, it's not easy. It's freaking hard. I know. I understand what you're saying. I no longer agree with you, though. I used to say the same thing. But if I can tell you that it is simple, then I promise you, you can do this. I have no doubt that you will come to remember who you really are. That'll come regardless of what you're doing or where you are in life. This awakening, the promise, as Neville calls it, that's, that's through grace. That's a gift from ourselves to ourselves as we remember who we are. But what do you want now? What do you want in life? Well, ask yourself, how would I feel if I were that today? How would I feel if I've been that or had that for months now or years? How would I feel if I were successful in my business and have been successful looking back for the last five or 10 years? How would I feel now? How would I feel if I were in a loving relationship and have been in a loving relationship for years now? How good does that feel? Let that feeling saturate your mind. Feel the satisfaction of it and accept the gift to yourself and sustain that feeling. Anytime you notice a little doubt, stop right there. Remind yourself that you've already experienced it in imagination and it must be objectified. Not maybe. Not, gee, I sure hope this works. No, stop doing that. Listen, I used to do that all the time. I would start to doubt it and start thinking, maybe I didn't do it right. Maybe I didn't get the scene right. Maybe I need to listen to another lecture. Maybe I need to find another teacher out there. Maybe I need to pay for another coach. Bullshit. Listen, you are all you need. So stop right there when all these doubt, these doubting thoughts and this worry comes up and you start thinking you need someone else, that you need to do more. You've already done it. Remind yourself, no, I've experienced it in imagination. And I know if I sustain that feeling, it must be objectified. You don't have to say all that. Just remind yourself, no, I got this. You have decided what you wanted 
You've experienced its fulfillment in imagination. And it must come about in your world. It must. I love you. This is Feeling Twisty.